Welcoming to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbach. What up? And Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. Tony. <laughs> Tony fucking. <laughs> you mean Tony. Jesus. Hey, Tony. What up, y'all? I'm excited for this one. I've been waiting all day for this shit. Get your Tony jersey on, huh? Trey showed up in a, uh, just so everyone knows, they're at home. Trey showed <laughs> up in a <laughs> printed uh, Raiders jersey t-shirt, number 84, Antonio Brown, everybody. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> hey, that's just a warning for everybody. You can't get too hype on these receivers in the offseason. You never, you never ever know, know what's going to happen. Definitely don't want to go out and buy a, a T-shirt jersey <laughs> as soon as someone gets signed because you just never know. I got this on sale after he was off the team. so <laughs> <laughs> Half off. Uh, well, welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast. Um, if you're new to the show, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Um, that's where we post all of our shows, episodes, and um, communicate with the community. Also, um, if you're feeling nice and everything's right, go ahead and like, subscribe, maybe rate us um, if you like the show. So, what's the plan today, guys? Winging it? Yeah, you already know the plan, dude, right? We're just going to do like a little roundtable discussion <laughs> and talk about what we feel like talking about with fantasy one of the few times we're not approaching the episode with a four-page document <laughs> laid out of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, there's no script on this one. This, this is a, this ad-lib. <laughs> this is off the top. I think it'll be dope, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. It should be fun. We're going to be answering some questions. I think Tyler's got some questions written up, uh, some questions from Twitter we'll be covering, um, all sorts of good stuff like that, and really just talking ball. Um, so it's that time of year when it's the off season and, uh, you can kind of just talk ball and, um, you know, there's not a whole lot going on, but I guess let's first, um, cover some of the news notes, uh, from the recent couple of weeks, um, starting here at the top. Uh, do you guys want to do that? Go for it. Okay. Daryl Williams, um, officially signed to the Cardinals. Um, it's looking like he's going to be the backup to James Conner. We thought James Conner was, you know, in the free and clear possibly to have that backfield all to himself. Definitely feels like a depth signing, but Daryl Williams still made an impact last year over a thousand total yards for the chiefs. Um, I think eight total touchdowns. So how much, you know, because James Conner was climbing and climbing in ADP, and I was starting to get pretty excited about him, you know, picking him up, what, in like the fourth round um, in a lot of mock drafts and stuff like that. So fifth round even. Um, it's like half PPR leagues. Yeah. Yeah, half PPR, 12-team standard, or not standard, but my standard, I guess, 12-team. Well, that's PPR. our standard for the yeah. podcast is half PPR leagues. Um 12 teens probably what i would say so how do we uh what do you guys think because i know one of you really like james connor i can't remember which one or both of you uh i don't know if it's me man i'm just bummed out because like, can can we not have like, everything has to be a running back committee these days 
And James Conner was one of the few where it was looking like there was a bright spot. Like he was definitely going to get a majority carry, 75% plus snaps, those kind of thing. And now Daryl Williams is in the picture. And like you said, over a thousand yards last year, um, 60% of that probably came from him as a receiving back. So a little, actually, a little less than half. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about 50, 50. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he had 450 receiving yards last year. So it it definitely, it bums me out. That's really all I got to say. So James Conner, his ADP is definitely going to take a hit, but I would still, I'd still prefer James Conner. Like, would you guys? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think this almost could possibly make James Conner even a little bit more attractive if he does slip a little bit um in drafts because he's still going to get all the red zone touches right he did last year with chase edmonds in town he's going to get all the um super valuable opportunities that you want in fantasy football those are touches in the red zone you know within the five within the 10 yard line so for me i think james Conner still has a big big year um you know assuming he stays healthy and all that but um, if this allows you to get James Conner at a, even a little bit cheaper of a price than he was already going, that's that's attractive to me. Yeah, I think I'm on in the same kind of lane as you are there, Jim. Um, we have to remember Daryl Williams last year was his first was you know his quote unquote like breakout year, and that was mostly because of injuries. The other guys in, in hit the backfield, it's not like he was stealing carries away. So Clyde Edwards Hilaire got her. Um, I mean, they went all the way down to Derek Gore. Remember at one point, like yeah. So I mean, there was a lot of injuries there. Other than that, Daryl Williams has never finished higher than 60th ranked running back in the, in the league. So there's a reason for that. Obviously, he showed what he can have has some impact when he gets an opportunity. But he, I think, it's still going to be more as a third down back more than anything. I'm totally with that. 3.8 yards per carry last year when he finally actually got a decent amount of touches he eclipsed four yards per carry the year before but it's not the same same situation as you guys are saying and if andy reed can't scheme somebody to get more yards then i i know cliff kingsbury is definitely uh you know a guru these days but i think darrell williams he if anything he's just a third down back right yeah i mean and that's a good point i mean he's a career under four yards per carry rusher that's not a starting level running back by any means but you, you brought up a good point with James Conner getting the red zone touches because this is an offense that's going to be in the red zone. Yeah, he'll get all of them. And especially once DeAndre Hopkins comes back after – I mean, honestly, I would almost consider it like a uh, him being on like the pup list, like the physically unable to play list. He's going to miss the first six weeks of the season because of the whole um, performance-enhancing shit that he failed. So he's going to come back after week six, and this offense is going to be on fire. And even before that, they'll probably still be doing pretty decent. So they're going to be in the red zone a lot, and James Conner is definitely very interesting. Um, other stuff going on. Apparently Najee Harris is up to 244 pounds. Oh, I was going to bring that up. I, I didn't know Did you were going to bring that quads? up. Well, I was going to say that, dude. It's not, like, homie. it's not like Eddie Lacy showing up overweight. Right. It's a different kind of like Derrick Henry almost. Um Reports from beat writers are saying that he's the most explosive and um, agile that they've seen him yet. Well, people like if you watch the um, his tape or really just watch any Steelers game, he's not exactly like he's not breaking off big plays, which we could probably go into that a little bit more because they they didn't really spread the field that often, so it's really hard to make a big they play. Also didn't block. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? So if you're not blocking, you're not spreading the field. It's very hard to break off a big run when you know you break a tackle and you still got three guys in your face. 
So uh, he didn't even eclipse four yards per carry last year, actually. Speaking of guys who didn't eclipse four yards per carry, right? But um, the fact that he has more lower end strength, I think, is very interesting. And it, it really, I think it puts Najee Harris, I'll be honest, I, I think he might be like a top three pick for me next year. Because I've seen a lot of people, like, the instant reactions were that um, it was a negative. You know, people were instantly people were thinking of Eddie Lacy. Um, he's <laughs> out of shape. He's lazy, whatever. Um, and it was kind of being brought up as like this negative thing. But, man, if he's like Derrick Henry size and more explosive, um, yeah, he could be dangerous next year. Yeah, I mean, he they they listed him at two thirty two at the beginning of last season. I mean, they only weigh people at the beginning of the year to put in the you know the brochures and crap. Right. So I mean, that's twelve pounds more than he weighed last year. But that's with an extra year of training in the NFL weight room. And right. as as good as exactly. Alabama's you know weight rooms are, you know, they're I'm sure they're top of the cl- like the best. I'm sure they're on par with like the Jaguars. But <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> okay, they're probably better than the Jaguars. Oh, we're we'll talking about the Jaguars. It's going to come. Yeah, it's probably better. But I mean, you're talking about a full they also have with it. an indoor facility too. Yeah, unlike the Bengals, so <laughs> they do now. I know. Well, they're working on it. <laughs> it's in, in the progress. Works. <laughs> so, um, I think he'll he'll be he should be fine. I mean, and honestly, he was already probably locked in as a top five pick, anyways, just based off of what he did last year. So, I'm not too worried about about Najee by any means coming in. 12 pounds overweight and even if it is slightly overweight by the time training camp comes around he'll probably be honestly close to like 240 well yeah. there's a whole like tom brady thing like um this is a weird kind of parallel example but i mean he, he expected to lose 15 20 pounds over the course of the season anyways just you know as you're playing and you know the stress of the season so it, it kind of makes sense like weighing a little bit more like that on a little bit of a side subject though we were talking about when we did our running back episode like some of these guys are pretty light and from from a dynasty perspective, this is a perfect example of like once you get a year in an NFL organization, you can really put on like that extra muscle and get up to like that NFL playing size. So it, so, it gives a little bit of hope for me for these rookies. Especially if you're taking on the workload that Najee Harris is taking. If he takes on any sort of workload that he did last year, he's going to need the, the extra muscle and, and stuff to make it, you know, long term in his career because um, he was majority of the offense last year so obviously things will change with new quarterbacks and stuff like that but yeah i mean he had almost 400 touches last year yeah it's wild i I would put money on him being top three this year running back finish yeah i I would too um yeah i like that he's on my he's in my keeper (laughs) roster so guess he'll be a keeper for me um Jameis winston at the acl injury was uh moving with a visible limp and he don't walk like a pimp. So <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> so so who's his backup right now? It's oh it's oh it's Andy Dalton. Yeah, oh yeah. Ride Rocket, dude. Pretty Ride decent. Rocket, Rocket. With that being said, with Jameis already being kind of hobbled and Andy Dalton being his backup, um, we're gonna touch on defenses probably later in this episode and like who we're looking at and how we approach looking at defenses. I- I'm interested in playing defenses against the Saints at least for the first couple of weeks of the season, especially with what's going on with Jameis right now and Andy Dalton um, just being, not to shit on Andy Dalton, but you know, he's nothing amazing. So it, whether it's Jameis coming in hobbled or it's Andy Dalton being the backup, I'm definitely looking to start uh, 
they're not showing the the schedule here on sleeper, so I have to put, pull it up on something else. But there's going to be some defenses to stream against the Saints, probably. Um, how do you feel about your boy? It's it, guys. It's May thirty first. <laughs> he has a limp. The season doesn't start for four months. Yeah, like I, I think he'll be okay. I'm not not gonna worry about that limp in OTAs. Well, I'm rooting for him. You know, I'm a Jameis fan. <laughs> like if, if he's healthy, he's top ten next year. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully he's been keeping up on his W's and his vegetables, <laughs> and and his crab legs. Eating both of those. Um, <laughs> the Browns um, extended David Njoku, the tight end. Uh, it's a four year deal worth fifty six point seven mil. Um, looking into the contract a little bit more though, it's actually more like a two year contract because um, there's some options in there. So. It says four year, but it's actually more like a two year, which I think overall this signing increases David Njoku's value for me um, when you're thinking about like dynasty. But I mean, he's had how many years now to really show us that he can be a consistent threat? It just hasn't happened. Baker has been his quarterback. Um, it's, you know, the Cleveland Browns, so it's been tough. But now he's got a. A new quarterback, as we know, that might play, hopefully. But if he does, he definitely increases David Njoku's value quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you also remember he was also the, technically the number two tight end on throughout most of his career so far because Austin Hooper was there. Right. Um, and they didn't use the tight ends a lot anyways. Like, it's not like Hooper was out there you know, blazing the world up or anything like that. So I think that was just an offensive philosophy. So that's the one downside. But he is the tight end one there now. You also have to remember he was very raw coming out of college. I mean, he was a college wide receiver and was still transitioning to the tight end position. Take some time to get used to that. You know, deal with the NFL physicality because he was also very slight. So I, he, it's only going to get better for him. I'm am I putting him into like my top ten tight ends? No, uh, but he always has had the potential to really break out. And he that maybe this is the year he does with, with Deshaun Watson throwing the ball. If Deshaun Watson even plays. I mean, come yeah. on now. <laughs> okay, we'll put, we'll put an asterisk around that just, just in case. I, I'm on the side that Deshaun Watson might not even play this year. I'm not putting no eggs in that basket, man. But Desha- like David Njoku, I thought it was interesting that he is the fifth highest paid tight end in the league now. And obviously different situations playing into how different tight ends are, are being paid as far as contracts go. But his career totals, um, I'm just kind of roughly saying this at this point is, is around like 140 catches 1600 yards so we're talking about a guy who's like that's his what, over ca- five years yeah and, that, years. and his career totals basically eclipse like a good travis kelsey season so it's I, I don't put too much weight into the contract that they're getting right now um i really i'll be, if i'm being completely honest i'm only interested in david njoku of jacoby Brissett plays they're such a run-heavy offense. Obviously, they're going to be running the ball a lot, and their two main options right now are Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones through the passing game. And I think Donovan Peoples-Jones will have a bigger impact this year in the passing game. So, really, he's option number three in a run-heavy attack. I, I, it's somebody I'm really not even, like, I, I might put him on my watch list, but I'm not even rostering him. I have him rostered in a dynasty league, so I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> His best season was year two when he finished as tight end nine in PPR, tight end eight in standard. And other than that, he's finished outside the top 20, which, as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, is such a plateau once you get past the top five tight ends. If you don't have a top five tight end, you're streaming. 
Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for news notes, unless there's something else you guys want to bring I got up. one more, then it actually can lead right into my first question for you, actually. Ooh. So, uh, uh, it was announced that... What a professional. <laughs> yeah. You know, working on them segues. <laughs> um, the uh, DA of Colorado has announced that they are going to be dropping the charges against Jerry Judy. That should be happening any, like, tomorrow, it sounds like. So, now that we know that Jerry Judy's not going to be facing any disciplinary actions, what... Cortland Sutton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good receiving options within this Denver offense. A lot of guys that could potentially break out. Between, you know, Judy, Sutton, Patrick O, or no, Patrick, Tim, <laughs> Tim Patrick, Patrick. Albert O, and then possibly <laughs> even, you know, KJ Hamler, who was injured last year. Who are you Who are you trusting in this, you know, passing offense? Personally, I'm taking Jerry Judy. Especially once those charges were dropped. That's a really good question. Like, once I saw that happen, I was like, I'm all in on Jerry Judy this year. But we saw from Russell Wilson that he can have two um, top 20 receivers, even top if it's 15. a Yeah, even if it's a run heavy offense, which, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, uh, playing in Seattle under Pete Carroll, it's always been like his MO is run heavy offenses, blah, blah, blah. And he still continued to show that he can have two receivers that are in the top 15. So it's really, to me, either Jerry Judy or Corlin Sutton, kind of either or. I would rather have Jerry Judy, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's the, you know, uh, majority consensus is probably Jerry Judy just because people are just waiting for him to kind of live up to expectations. Um, for me, I think at ADP right now, I like I like Corlin Sutton the best. I mean – Six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds, going into his fifth year. Um, right, but I mean, you're based on ADP. I'm just saying, like, who do you think is going to finish, you know, first in this offense? I'd say, I'd say Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, is he really that big? I did not know that. Yeah, he's big dude. Yeah, he's yeah. Damn, he's big. Um, and I think you know Russ really likes those types of receivers. Obviously, he, he did really well with um, uh, Lockett, obviously in Seattle, but they had a different kind of chemistry. I think that takes a lot of time to build. Um, and so Jerry Judy will benefit from that down the road. But for right now, for next year, for redraft, I like Cortland Sutton the best. And I also really kind of like Tim Patrick. You know, once we start talking about ADP and where you can get Tim Patrick in redraft leagues, I mean, he's going to be the third receiver picked in that core. And you're going to get him pretty late in drafts considering the potential there with russell wilson so i mean is he number three though like what about noah fant how, how y'all feel about noah fant i mean russ noah is Fant's in seattle yeah he's oh, not fuck. there it's, it's albert o albert o my bad albert o who's kind of unproven um and russ has never really targeted tight ends that heavily like, he's such a good quarterback that he can anticipate wider he's going to his his playmakers his wide receivers yeah. he doesn't really need like a, a big tight end that can just body everybody to be successful. Um, so, I don't know. I, I like Alberto. I, I have him rostered on a Dynasty League just to see what happens, but I'm not super excited about it just because of the history of Russ and tight ends. It's just never been a a target, high-priority target for him. I think Cortland Sutton is the type of receiver Russ really likes. Where are you guys finding ADPs? What's a good ADP thing for me to be looking at right now? <laughs> you can find like, it right on Sleeper. Yeah, they're they're right. they're putting out monthly docs. Oh, documents! God damn it! It should be on the <laughs> players' page. 
making me work for it. Well, hey, while we're, while I was talking about Noah Fant in Seattle, let's do a little over under game here. How many games do you think Kenneth Walker is going to start for the Seattle Seahawks this year? Over under ten. Under. Really? Yeah. Penny's gonna be this, the only way is an over is if Penny gets hurt again, which is like which you know it could be pretty high, pretty, pretty likely, but Penny's gonna be the starter. Penny's already hampered in OTAs. Bro, I, we just said this. It's May 31st. <laughs> it, is, it is May 31st, but Chris Carson, honestly, if anyone's looking at Chris Carson right now, just scratch him off your list. You're wasting your time. He has a neck injury, and it continues to be so iffy that, honestly, I'll be, I would not be surprised if he does not play another NFL game. That could be. I'm not dropping Chris Carson if I have him on my dynasty team until I officially know, though. <laughs> Well, yeah, this early, but going into the season, I'm telling you, I would not be surprised if he doesn't even get a snap. The neck injury is just so iffy for him. Yeah, and, and that's fair. That's why that's why I didn't even bring him up when I, when I said I said that Penny's going to be the starter. Right, and I and I love Rashad Penny. I love what he was doing, but I, I'm so high on Kenneth Walker right now. That's why I'm asking. I think, you know, Chris Carson with the whole neck thing, I think it's pretty li- unlikely that he – he plays. Uh, that's super risky, you know, um, with the the neck injuries and stuff like that. It's just not worth it. He's made some money. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's going to play again. Rashad Penny, obviously, you don't want to just count on injury. I think Kenneth Walker plays a significant amount this year for sure. I don't know if no. he officially starts over ten games. Right, so. and that's what that's what I'm at. Like, I think there's a very good chance they end up splitting probably fifty yeah. fifty carries. Yeah, but being the starter, no, it's going to be Penny. Right. Let me rephrase it then. Who finishes higher in fantasy scoring, Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny? I'm still go with Penny, barring injury. Yeah, you kind of have to. Penny has the ability. He has all the ability in the world. We saw it last year. We saw it, you know, coming into his rookie year, even before things didn't go well. You kind of have to go Penny. You can't just assume that he's going to be hurt. But history does tell us that he has yeah. uh, now, I a will, tendency. Now, I will say, in, especially in Dynasty Leagues, if you have Penny, or even Redraft Leagues, if you're considering taking a Penny earlier in the draft and have him be one of your you know, your number two running back or a consistent flex play, make sure you get Walker also. That's a handcuff you're going to want. Um, yeah. I'm looking it up slowly right now, <laughs> trying to find Kenneth Walker's ADP. <laughs> oh, it's probably way down there right now. I mean, I, I'm curious what round he's going in because this is someone, it's one of the few rookie running backs who could genuinely have a shot at starting most of the season, especially if Rashad Penny goes down. Yeah. And I'll agree with you. The only other one that, like, I only other running back that should be really fantasy relevant this year would be uh Brees hall but even then he's going to be in a pretty full-blown committee himself with michael carter uh, i mean uh what about like was isaiah spiller right on the chargers yeah i mean not with not with um he has austin eckler ahead of him yeah and th- there's really nobody else in that backfield right now yeah but i mean eckler that was the same case last year and eckler yeah, he has no. He's shown that he can be the like the workhorse running back. So obviously Spiller's gonna get some work, but Eckler is gonna be still getting probably eighty percent of snaps. I mean, I love Eckler, but he 
has been injured in the last few seasons, dealing with a couple of different injuries. And the way running backs go, it's it, it seems like a very opportunistic play to get have Isaiah Spiller on your team. He only missed one game. What are you talking about? Yeah, but is it showing the snap percentage? I'm telling you, he was hampered by like you know, it's like, like soft tissue stuff. It's not exactly necessarily him like breaking an ankle or anything like that. But I'm telling you, it, it, you got a rookie running back behind the starting running back. There's no other real competition on the team right now. Uh, can you look at the depth chart right now? I, I know you're on his page. It's like who else? <laughs> Josh, they don't even have Spiller on the depth chart on Sleeper right now. Okay, and, and, and <laughs> they don't Josh have any of the Kelly. Rookies. They don't yet? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I should probably look at a different site. But either way, <laughs> yeah, so Josh Kelly is like the only other guy. Yeah, no, Justin Spiller's Jackson's gonna be, out of the picture. Yeah, Spiller's going to be the backup. I'm not saying that he's not, but I think, and again, yeah, he's he'd be a worthy handcuff also, but Eckler has, hasn't missed a ton of games in his career. Like, the year before, he played in 10, but other than that, he's only ever missed, like, one game a season. I'm too busy on this fucking site trying to find <laughs> ADP, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what are you struggling with? I, I I'm on I'm on a different site. I I don't know. I'm struggling. Let me let me throw something at you guys. A little little uh little fun something here. Okay, we're gonna do a segment called Cuff Carry Cut, eventually. But this one, honestly, it it obviously has a spinoff of a Fuck Mary Kill, right? Cuff Carry Cut is what we're gonna do. Whoa. In this episode, <laughs> but Fuck Mary Kill is kind of the Who's thing. Who's that? So I'm going to ask you guys, fuck, marry, kill. God. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. All right. John Gruden, Dan Snyder, and Roger Goodell. Oh, Come on. God. Get out of town, dude. <laughs> what? Who are you fucking, dude? Who are you going <laughs> to kill? All right. What's the third option again? Snyder, I, you lost. Snyder, me, Snyder's Snyder's an easy kill. It's John Gruden, Dan Snyder, and Roger Goodell. All right, Snyder killing Snyder. I'm gonna fuck the shit out of Roger Goodell. <laughs> 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 See, and I'm gonna I'd fuck I'd fuck Gruden actually because he seems like he'd be fun in the bedroom. Uh, and then <laughs> well, <laughs> there we go. There it goes. It gets weird. Aggressive. Not, there we go. No, I mean he, he looks like he'd be fun. Uh, then why would you not marry Goodell? You know how much fucking money that dude has, dude. Uh, dude, you're Gruden right signed on par a ten year, hundred million dollar deal. It was think, guaranteed. I think, yeah, dude, I don't think uh, Goodell makes more than thirty million a year, homie. Does he really? Mm-hmm. Jesus, that guy's overpaid, huh? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Well, I'd still fuck him. <laughs> okay. okay, so kill Snyder because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And what was the other option? Fuck, Mary, kill. Yeah. I guess I'm. Oh, I'm sorry. I was way off. $63.9 million a year for Roger Goodell. Wow. So obviously we're all marrying Goodell. <laughs> he can marry all of us. I don't marry for money. Oh, well, you too I good will. for that? I will. <laughs> I totally will. <laughs> I'm a little. I'm a little on the opposite side, honestly, because I, I had all day to think about this. all day. This is my question. <laughs> You're like looking at their pictures and shit. Like, well, man, no, I'm gonna fuck Dan do. Snyder because I hate him, and yeah. hate fucking people is the best. That's kind of <laughs> what I was thinking with Goodell, but yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna hate I'd fucking be booing Dan too Snyder. while I'm doing it, just booing the whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. All right, yeah. guys, can we get back on the fancy track? Because that was a real weird sidebar. Next question, please. <laughs> I was trying to buy you guys time to go to the next subject. I didn't need that much time. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That was the best segment of the day, dude. All right. Um, who is your guys' wide receiver one? Who is it right yeah. now? Yeah, right now. In a redraft league? Yep. It's uh, that's a good one. Man, I mean, we can kind of like talk about this out loud. Um, it's Cooper Cup for me. Uh, Cooper Cup seems like the obvious choice. Devontae Adams is interesting. Um, people don't really like Devontae Adams this year because of the extra competition on the Raiders offense compared to when he was on the Packers offense. But I really, people are really downplaying the fact that like him and uh, Derek Carr are best friends and former college teammates. And in today's offense, those guys can still have good years like as far as Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. And Devontae Adams can still have a number one season. Like all three, all, like all of those three things happening are definitely feasible without the Raiders even having a top offense, just because of how the offenses are so. Um, I don't know, they're just given so much leeway these days, right? So, ah, uh, man, I, I'm definitely forgetting some names right now. Well, I think I think Cooper Cup and Devonte Adams are generally your probably top three receivers right now. But I think you need to you know throw in candidates like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Sure. Yeah, Jefferson, Chase, uh, even Diggs. I mean, he could have a big year. Yeah, but Josh Allen really started to spread the ball around more last year. Um, I think it's him just coming more into terms as you know a quarterback. So I think Diggs is still he'll still be a number one receiver, obviously, but not a not overall number one receiver. See, that's what makes it so tough, though, because I I would counter the Chase argument, even though like he's you know intentionally top five right now, um, probably in ADP also, even with like his finish on the season. So much of his yards and points came from deep plays. Like we haven't seen someone make so much impact off of deep receiving plays like that since Randy Moss. Tyreek Hill. I guess Tyreek Hill, but it's honestly it's it's more it seems more consistent and more on point with Jamar Chase as far as like really breaking away and being wide open without his quarterback buying ten seconds of time scrambling around. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, really, the only person that reminds me of that is Randy Moss, and I I wonder how hard that is to duplicate, but I could also buy into it because their team is very deep, as far as having like Joe Mixon in the backfield. They also have Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and T Higgins, like arguably the best wide receiver group in the NFL. It's, it it makes me scared of Jamar Chase though because a lot of that is big play. Am I looking at this right? Is Cooper Cup's ADP right now in redraft, 5.3? No way. That, 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 that That's wrong. Whatever you're looking at, it's just wrong. Well, it's the sleeper whatever Excel sheet that they sent out. Uh, are you sure that's not like his average like as in the fifth overall pick? It says re- redraft PPR ADP. I think it's 5.3. That's his average as in like the fifth overall pick yeah like between like the fifth and sixth pick yeah 5.3 oh, on average oh, okay. on all the drafts they've done i they've, was thinking I fifth know. round yeah no i was like what i think fuck? yeah <laughs> i was like there's no way he's going to the fifth round in any league yeah to me cooper cups a first round pick oh for sure he's my first receiver off the board he had 191 targets 
last year. Stupid. The next closest was Devontae Adams, 169. I don't think Devontae Adams gets that this year. With other game in town, um, I'm sorry to say it, Trey, but a downgrade at quarterback who doesn't hyper-focus Devontae. I think I still think Devontae has a great year. I, th- I still think he's worthy of a first-round pick. If you can get him in the second, that, you know, awesome. But yeah. um, to me, it's Cooper Cup. I, I think we see a lot of the same thing next year, even with Allen Robinson there in L.A. I still think Matthew Stafford just absolutely loves Cooper Cup and what he brings to the table. And I think they have a chemistry that is unbreakable. At yeah. this point. Yeah, I, I agree with the Cooper Cup as my number one receiver right now. Actually, I'm glad you're up Allen Robinson because I see Allen Robinson having a huge bounce back year. Uh, yeah, I think he could have a really good year. A really good year. And I'm curious what his his ADP is now. But I'm looking it up. I mean, Robert Woods was having a pretty good year towards the end of it once you know before he got hurt. Yeah. He was really starting to put some games together. And Robert Woods, you know, for a few years now under under the McVay offense, has been a really good wide receiver too. And you, it's, I don't think I don't think it's that much of an argument to say Allen Robinson is a more talented player than Robert Woods is. Yeah, he is, and and Allen Robinson basically took a year off, mm-hmm. right? So he's you know he's going to be coming in this year with a whole you know bunch of emotions, motivation, chip on his shoulder. And probably feeling more fresh than he's felt in a long time. Yeah, you want to hear the names right now according to the fantasyfootballcalculator.com. This is the last 10 days according to mock drafts and drafts that have happened that they're keeping track of. I mean, he's going at pick 81, Allen Robinson. So you got guys like Darnell Mooney, uh, Hunter Renfro, Devonta Smith, Robert Woods, now on the Tennessee Titans, Adam Thielen, Michael Pittman. Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore on the Jets, DJ Moore on the Panthers. I mean, there's a lot of interesting names going ahead of Allen Robinson right now. It seems like a very, very great deep value pick. I mean, so we're talking like if, it's, if he's pick 81, that's what between rounds like um, six and seven. Yeah, it's not bad. And I'm, I'm looking at the fantasy pros, and they have kind of a consensus one plus where he's out in ESPN. Um, and so ESPN is going a little deeper, actually, at pick 92. Sleeper has him higher, though. Sleeper has him at 58 for PPR League. So he, so apparently there's a lot. It's kind of all over, all over the board right now for for where uh, Allen Robinson's at. I don't think people really know where to really take him at the moment. People forget that he basically didn't have a quarterback last year. Yeah. He had like some fantastic numbers under Mitch. Yeah, that's true. I mean, th- there's a reason why like he earned a you know, or he was going for a big contract and people were thinking he was a true number one wide receiver. So um personally, I mean if I could get Allen Robinson in like the sixth or seventh, I'd be pretty damn happy with that. There's no way. I'd be super stoked on that. Yeah. I mean I I don't see him really going that late either, but if he if he is in your in your league, I'm jumping all over that. Well I, uh, James, you got something to say about that? Before I switch subject? No, go for it. I pretty much said my, my piece. So last year we started talking about zero running back strategy. Um, it's kind of like the first time it really hit uh, like a mainstream, um, I don't know, trend, I guess you would say. And it it really seems like if you're in 
a league that's set up the right way, zero running back strategy is not that bad because once you get past the top, maybe like eight or 10 running backs, it's really such a toss up, especially with running back by committee happening so much more often these days. Like, are you guys entertaining that no running back strategy? Depends on my draft position. And that's the one one thing I'll tell anybody. You can't go into the draft thinking you're going to draft one specific way. You have to adapt to whatever your draft position is. There's no reason if you have like a top five pick that you and you're like, oh, I was going to do no running backs. I'm going to stick to that. Like, why would you do that when you have the shot at you know a top five guy like that? So, if I'm drafting at the end of the first round, if I'm picking, if I pick like, you know, let's say you're in a twelve team league, I'm anywhere like between ten and twelve. The zero running back uh, strategy, I think at that point becomes a viable one where you can get two of you know potentially top ten receivers to bolster your roster with at the very at the very top of the draft. Yeah, I would agree exactly um, with what Tyler said there. I, I, you know, you can have an idea coming into a draft of maybe what you want to do, but it, it totally depends on how the draft falls because you might think you know what your league mates are going to do, but as we all know, you're always surprised. Um, and then you don't want to be on the clock like, oh, shit, you know. Things didn't go exactly how I th- thought they were going to go. Now I don't know who I'm going to pick. So I think you have to come into it with an open mindset. I think breaking your rankings down into tiers helps a lot, um, which is something that we'll probably provide um, closer yeah. to the season. But um, those are just things coming into a draft that I think help a lot. I, w- I will say this, though. I have been doing some mocks. Uh, I'm on like redraft type settings and stuff like that. It, to me, it feels like the player pool as a whole is deeper this year than really it's been for a number of years. Like, I don't know why, but during these mock drafts, every single time I just felt like I was just getting such a good team. Like, and it just felt like it was a much deeper player pool. I don't know, maybe it's the excitement of the rookies that came in or, or what, but I just feel like there's so much more um, opportunity out there, not in just like one position, but I think across the board, at least for running backs and wide receivers, it just feels way deeper than before. Maybe that's because more teams are moving to those committee approaches, and I don't know. To me, it just felt like there's a lot of a lot more opportunity deeper in drafts. Well, um. Here, just real quick, I, I just yeah. to kind of go off of that pick, I think the reason you probably feel that way is because rookies are coming in much more prepared to play in the NFL. Right. You know, they're not needing two to Four three years, years to yeah. really, you know, you know, get their get their their wheels moving with it. They're coming in and blowing it up as rookies, and that and you know, you ten years ago that rarely happened. You know, right. you had had a really special player for that to happen to, and now, I mean, year after year, we're having you know, we went back to back years of having the greatest rookie wide receiver season of all time. Yeah. You know, like yeah. no one could ever have thought that that happened. We went, it was Randy Moss for, we went what 20 years before we even got somebody who even came close. And then we got two back to back. Like, right. That's insane. I mean, the reason I really asked that is because um, you guys brought up a bunch of good points, but with the way that today's NFL is now, it's like, obviously it's a very favored to the passing game and all these like, you know, these young receivers are coming in. And it, it really seems like you can really just stack your team with wide receivers these days and pick up these guys that are in committees, maybe say um, 
This is a bad example, but Daryl Williams just got signed, you know, behind James Conner. You could hope that James Conner gets hurt or something like that. Or you could also get Melvin Gordon at a really great value right now, which for what oh, we've seen from previous seasons. Super deep, yeah. yeah. Melvin Gordon is a great value right now. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and Javante Williams is going at, like, consensus 12th pick. And that blows my mind for someone who, like, we know for a fact, especially seeing from last year, is that they're going to probably split that 50-50. Yeah. It, maybe it goes 60-40. So you could really wait to get your running backs and get guys with quality value. I think this year more than ever. I yeah. mean, you see guys like Zeke. Zeke's falling hard. Because um, Pollard is a goddamn beast. Yeah, but Zeke could still have a, a top 10, you know, rushing season. He could. He could come know? back. He's been, it, he's been having these take, nagging is, injuries you know, recently. He could. If you can take, like, a, you know, like two stud receivers that are just absolutely elite, like a Cooper Cup and, I don't know, whoever else you get in the second like you can fill out your roster with running backs. I mean, I think this year more than ever, um, in my opinion, you know, yeah, James Conner. There's a chance I mean, you could get somebody like a cup and then immediately turn around and pick up like Justin Jefferson right after. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and you're yeah, set and right you can, there. You can get James Conner in the fourth round. He could potentially finish as a top five back this year. Yeah, I mean that's wild, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and bringing up the the Antonio committee, Gibson, like the committee thing is interesting because. He's right. Like back back in the day when it was so much more of a bell cow deal, like when you missed out on those top running backs, and, there were, and you went, you know, no uh, the no running zero running back strategy, you were it was slim pickings. But now the overall it is deeper because people are splitting more carries, so we're devaluing the running back even in the fantasy league leagues, just like the NFL has been for years. You know, in, in terms of like draft status. Well, speaking of committees, let me do a little pivot here. Where would you guys like? Let's just say you're pick two or three in a redraft league, half PPR. Are you grabbing Derrick Henry? Oh man, redraft pick two, two or three, somewhere around there. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a consensus. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is one one. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Taylor obviously is one one. Yeah, I think. I mean, then you're if you're at pick two, you're choosing between really Derrick Henry and, and Christian McCaffrey. So uh, you could throw Dalvin Cook in there. You could, but right, right now Austin Eckler is going third, right behind Derrick Henry. Which is, uh, let's just do a little throwback. I mean, Austin Eckler wasn't even projected first round last year, which we all knew what he was capable of. Yeah, I and we knew the that. goddamn truth. I had him. I was pick twelve. I thought I was going to get him there, and someone took him. Like I pick think, four. <laughs> I think Travis took him. Yeah. So. That was a bummer. Not that anybody listening knows who Travis is. That's Ty's little brother. I still got Najee Harris. A.K.A. Ty's second team, apparently. But, yeah, getting back to the point, I think I would go Derrick Henry. I think he'd be my 102 pretty confidently. I mean, he he came back in the playoffs last year, and he's probably around 70 80%. Still looked pretty decent. I mean, if Christian McCaffrey can put together a full season – we know what he's capable of, and yeah. it's, it's it's absolute dominance. Yeah. Oh, but man. I just don't know if he's going to have that same type of workload. I think they, I think they, they march Derrick Henry right back out there and give him they, the same workload. <laughs> like I really do. I really don't think Brable gives a fuck. I think he's like <laughs> going to work him. Till it's he just can. more. But that's the thing is like, can Derrick Henry? Yeah, keep up with it. Is I mean that's. He's had so many gonna, touches. Are you going to take the opportunity for that type of volume that's really unmatched, or are you going to settle and you know not take that high upside? I guess it's it's upside or it's. I mean, if I was picking like at four, 
That'd be a lot easier decision if Derrick Henry's still there at two. I'm, I'm not, I don't know, man. It could be Henry. I might lean over. I might lean to Dalvin Cook, um, because he's also gets a good work, a great workload, and you know, for for the most part's been healthy. You and, all, you know, Dalvin Cook's gonna miss some time, so you have to, you have to get Madison at that point. Yeah, it's that's, that's the only thing. That's, that's a what, tough question. That's man. what struggles. That's why I like. I've drafted Dalvin Cook in the past, and obviously he's a, a game changer. He's an absolute freak, but. I get so stressed out about getting Alexander Madison because you think you know, some dumbass is going to take him in like the eighth round or something, you know, in in your draft. And then well, he's one of the best cuffs. Well, sure, but that's what stresses me out when I take Dalvin Cook. It's like, how early do you pull the trigger on Madison? Yeah, because then you're missing out on you know someone that could really help your team in in other areas when you know, and you're picking up Madison just because you're so stressed out and you need that insurance. Because it's so random, you know, like someone could just snag Madison out of nowhere, and you're just like, then you're screwed. Well, here, I, I got a quick question, Ty. I know you got some good ones on there. I, I, I can't see because I, <laughs> I got 2015 vision, but I can't read that from this angle. But apparently Christian McCaffrey was talking to Marshall Falk in the offseason on how to stay fresh. And, I mean, if we're talking about like an old-school comparison for Christian McCaffrey, Marshall Falk's probably the best example. Hard runner, great in the receiving game, all that good stuff. Right now, Christian McCaffrey is going at number eight. Oh, I love Christian McCaffrey at eight, honestly. Right, same so, here. So, what are you looking at? Because on the sleeper redraft ADP, he's second. He's right behind Jonathan Taylor. I'm looking at fantasy football calculator. This is data from 575 fantasy football mock drafts between the 21st and 31st of May 2022. Okay. So, but who are the 570... Like, where are they from? America. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, I like looking at Sleeper because it, it's just a lot more like there's a lot of competitive people on Sleeper, right, that are really in tune with fantasy football. Yeah, I'll be right honest. Now, I, I'm more with Sleeper. He's, he's the sure. second overall on Sleeper's AD, redraft ADP. And then it's Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, um, and then Cooper Cup. Yeah, I see him as overall number two almost everywhere through, and that's through Fantasy Pros. Yeah, see, so we're all looking at three different things. <laughs> hey, hey, that's why we're the boys. There's though. no way he falls to eight. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> it's not happening. be a really weird draft, but, I mean, fuck, I dig it. Yeah. I mean, consider yourself lucky if you're at eight and you're picking Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> okay, well, fuck it. I'm going to pull up the sleeper ADP and just to get on the same page with you here. But I'm really curious what kind of questions Ty's got on that document over there. Yeah, actually, since we're on the topic of, you know, kind of big name running backs in the last, you know, four or five years, there's been a handful of running back names that really kind of dominated who should go overall, overall number one. McCaffrey's one. You have Henry. uh, I throw in Zeke, Alvin Kamara, and then um, Saquon Barkley, right? Those are all big name players that at one point were at the very top of of the draft. And in the last year or two have had slip-ups, whether it be um, just production fell off, whether it be injury, injuries to other players. So out of out of those kind of those five big-name guys, who are you most comfortable sticking with this season and who are you not comfortable sticking with? Who are the, who are the five again? So go Derrick Henry, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Zeke, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara. Derrick um, Henry, dude. 
Who am I most comfortable? Yes. Or rank him if you want to. Probably Derrick Henry. Least comfortable. Um, it would have to be either Zeke or Saquon. Saquon for sure. I think it's Saquon for me too. Is it Saquon or Saquon? It's Saquon. Saquon. <laughs> am I Saquon that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you set us up for that damn putt. You yeah. literally did it on purpose. <laughs> Set him up and knock him down, no, dude. To this shit. <laughs> yeah, no, Saquon. Look, I'm out, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Unless you you have him on a roster where it's a dynasty or a keeper, and you're you know at this point, if you're still holding, you gotta continue to hold because whatever you trade him for, it's not going to be worth what you paid, and you might as well just ride it till the wheels fall off. But I'm. I'm out on, in redraft. I mean, what is what is his ADP in redraft right now? For for half PPR in redraft, he's 5.1. If I'm looking at the same thing that you're looking at, I don't have the actual Excel spreadsheet because I don't have Excel. I'm not a businessman. I don't have the Microsoft exclusives and all that good stuff. <laughs> you don't but, have Excel. That's funny. <laughs> but I'm on yardsperfantasy.com, and apparently it's sleeper fantasy football ADP. So uh, 23.4. So he's the 23rd pick. So back into the second. Uh, if through half PPR on Fantasy Pros, and they have the sleeper ranking app right there. Also, they have Saquon. Oh yeah, yeah twenty four. Sorry, I went all the way over to the average. So on on sleeper twenty four on average throughout all sides twenty eight. So at that ADP, talking you know late second round. Yeah, but does he even give you RB two numbers? Right at that, at that spot, you could also take someone like Aaron Jones. I would take Aaron Jones over Saquon, right there, at the back end of the second, hundred percent. I'd feel w- way more confident in Aaron Jones as yeah. my RB two. Let's say you pick up, let's say you have one of the f- the first picks, one or two. You pick up Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, who, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, whoever is your, your flavor. You come back at the back of the second, and you're looking at Saquon and Aaron Jones. I'm taking Aaron Jones every time. Yeah, and I probably agree with that, that too. But I'm not as down on Saquon this year as you guys are. I think – and now granted, I think maybe that them you know just holding out hope for him. But I think Brian Dayball – I do like that they brought in Dayball. I mean, that's a, I think that's a huge, huge thing. And people will say, well, you know, he didn't run the ball for shit in Buffalo. He re- he did what was best for his offense, which is get the ball into his playmaker. They had shit running backs. Right. So, right now, I mean, Saquon, name a better, you know, when fully healthy, a better offensive weapon on the Giants than Saquon. Yeah, we all know he's a, he's a freak athlete, right? Yeah. I mean, he's generational type talent, but it just hasn't come together and i think part of that how much of it obviously is coaching and and offensive line and all that opportunity but at the same time if you're supposed to be you know something different like well you also at some point you have to show it with some sort of you also have to think like he's dealt with injuries every year besides his rookie season yeah Last year, I mean, he had the ankle injury but he was still coming off the acl too and best ability is availability (laughs) well uh, but he didn't miss any time in college, so I mean, he's shown that he's been dur- durable. It's just you know, freak things. The ACL, uh, most athletes will tell you like, yes, you come back after you know nine to twelve months, but you don't feel full strength in that knee until you know eighteen to twenty four months later. 
So I would expect that to be much better, much more healed, much stronger this year also, and see more explosiveness from him. Let me settle this with our first installment of Cuff, Carry, Cut. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here we go. My my third one might be a little iffy here. Actually, no, I, I'm switching on my third. Here we go. So between Cuff, Carry, and Cut, you got to Cuff one, you got to Carry one on your bench, or just on your team in Hold general. Can we, what does Cuff mean? Cuff means like you're starting them no matter what. Okay, carry means... And carry means you have them on your team, whether you're starting them or they're on your bench. Okay. And cut means this is someone you do not want on your team out of the three players. So between Saquon Barkley... Saquon Barkley. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. You'll get it. You'll get it. I'll say it right. Saquon Barkley... The least white one here, by the way. I'm probably saying it right. That's probably why I'm, I keep saying I've it right. I've never heard it like that. It's a Quan. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a Quan. All right. And uh, so between Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Javante Williams. Ooh. Ooh. Well, in that case, I'm cutting Saquon. I mean, you have to. Yeah. And I think you're cuffing Aaron Jones and you're carrying Javante. Yep. I agree. And that's only because. I, I would cuff Javante, but you know, with Melvin Gordon there, it's too hard to rely on him to have more than like fifty percent of the carries. I'm with that. I'm with that. Maybe I made that too easy, but you know, <laughs> hey, that's our first installment right there. There it is. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Yeah. Hey, you got you got one lined up, Ty. What? You you got one lined up? Uh, unless you got one. I, I'm curious what you guys think about the Ravens' backfield. I, I think Gus Edwards this year is a great value behind J.K. Dobbins. I'm really over the years I've become really iffy about um, running backs that have had significant injuries, and I think Gus Edwards is a great. Uh, speaking of cuff carry cut, uh, he's a great cuff to have and have him on like maybe your bench. Yeah. Like I Gus agree. Edwards is probably like one of the highest quality backup running backs that you can draft in this year's draft, in they my opinion. They cut Tyson Williams, uh, <laughs> Tyson, whatever, uh, Williams. Um, so he's gone. Someone else picked him up, but whatever. Um, J.K., it's really just J.K., Gus, and the dude they drafted, right? Yeah, they came from South Dakota State. Mike Davis? Yeah. No. Uh, no, Mike Davis, Mike Davis is he signed from Atlanta. I swear they drafted a running back. They did. He is from South Dakota State, but I'm looking at the sleeper app and we haven't updated the, oh, the okay. roster yet. Remember? But we know who Mike Davis is. He is not a threat to anything. No, no I know I I Gus is I mean, he's gonna get work either way because like he's such a straight downhill runner, um, that he just tends to pick up, you know, three or four four yards of rush, like regardless what he's doing. Um so yeah, no, I think he's a great handcuff to have, especially if you have J.K. Um, you know, as your, as one of your starters. J.K.'s ADP right now is forty three. People, I think people are sleeping on J.K. So you can get him pretty, I mean, pretty cheap for a starting running back with well, some nice ability. We're a year removed from his rookie year, where the last half of the season he was a starting running back, and. Uh, really any league, PPR, half PPR, whatever you want to name it. Let me ask you this, Trey. He's going one pick ahead of Josh Jacobs right now. You're in the 
fourth round, the beginning of the fourth round, you need a running back, would you go J.K. or Josh Jacobs? I'm going Josh Jacobs. I've been saying this for a couple months now. I mean, I know they drafted Zamir White in the third round, or was that the fourth round? Either way, um, a quality running back that I think we all agree that is definitely capable with a little bit of time to be a starting running back in the NFL. What if James Conner's also available still? I'm going to take Josh Jacobs. Ken- Kenyon Drake's coming off of a broken foot. Tyler, so, same question. James Conner, J.K., or Josh Jacobs at the beginning of the fourth in a redraft, half PPR. James Conner. Eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> Conner is going to is going I believe is going to have more of a uh, more just more options, you know, and play more. Ah man, Josh Jacobs like I, I've been harping on this for like the last two years. He's been up there with like the Nick Chubbs and other top tier running backs as far as like broken tackles, yards after uh, yards after contact, things like that. He's one of the slept on guys, and last year he was hobbled all season. And I, I really think Josh Jacobs is he has a potential to finish as a top ten running back. I don't care that Kenyon Drake is there and Josh McDaniels is like the new coach, da da da, coming from the Patriots where they do all the running back committee stuff. I really think with their offense, Josh Jacobs is definitely capable of being a top ten running back. It might be one of my riskiest takes of this offseason, but I'm really, I'm pretty set in stone about that one. No, you gotta, you gotta, you know, stick with who you like. I think in that situation, I would also lean James Conner. I do really like Josh Jacobs as a player. I just think. There's a little bit of uncertainty there for me, and I think that's what gives James Conner the edge. Just because of the new coach, Devontae Adams is now in town. Darren Waller's I mean, still there. They also Hunter declined Renfro, his fifth-year option. They declined his fifth-year option. I don't know if he's going to even be there next year. That doesn't really matter with a redraft league, but I just think um, it's we kind of already seen like the proof with the James Conner in, in Arizona. We, we know how they're going to use him. We know how often they're going to use him. And we know the type of opportunity that he's going to get. Proof is in the pudding. The Josh Jacobs situation, it's a little bit more hairy in that. In that. And I'm not saying he's a worse player. I think they're pretty much the same. But um, as far as opportunity goes, I just think it's the uncertainty for me would, would make me lean towards James Conner in that situation. I, I see where you're coming from. And I definitely agree. Like Somewhat similar players, but Josh Jacobs definitely has better metrics and better stats as far as things go in the NFL. And stats don't mean everything, but this, the the Raiders are going to be in the red zone just as much, if not more, than the Cardinals. But how often are they going to use him? They have Darren Waller. They have Hunter Renfro. They have Devontae Adams. The Cardinals have Zach Ertz. They're going to have DeAndre Hopkins at one point. You know, like they they have a lot of weapons. I'm I'm forgetting more receivers. Tyler, you could probably fill in the rest of the receivers for the Cardinals for me. AJ yeah. Brown, Hollywood Brown, yeah, oh, yeah Hollywood, Hollywood Brown. Well, he's not a red zone threat. Yeah, he's I just, five foot nine. Like, Hunter Renfro's an elite threat. He's a red zone. He's a route running maestro. Darren Waller is obviously an athletic freak in the red zone down the entire field and. We all know what Devontae Adams can do on fade routes and all that type of shit. In the hey, we're not the only ones that know that, though, right? Yeah. So oh it's yeah. like those teams are going to be, pre- be preparing for that same kind of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like pick your poison, though. You know, it, Quickly, the Raiders have become one of the most tough-to-cover offenses from a, a passing standpoint 
because of the receiving core that they have. See, so dynamic. That brings up my other point, though, is James Conner is not really a threat in the passing game. Josh Jacobs is. I know Kenyon Drake is there, and you know, don't get me wrong. I love I love Kenyon Drake, and he's a great passing threat. But Josh Jacobs is a very good pass receiving running back. So it's someone they could really have in the red zone and still be a threat. So it's uh, I'm with you though. It's, it's definitely a coin toss. It's very close. James very, Conner very had more close. receiving yards last year. Josh Jacobs was injured <laughs> last year. I was say, I saw He's James playing. Conner make some pretty nice one-handed <laughs> catches as well. He is. Yeah, I didn't but, want to bring that up. So I mean, J- Jacobs had more catches, um, fifty-four versus thirty-seven, but Conner had more yardage. Fuck you guys. Okay. This is what. But this is this is the whole point of this, right? Is to kind of have these discussions and these debates. Sure. Because people might be having, might have both these guys on their team and trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Yeah. And this is what's going to help them, right. or who they're going to draft yeah. if they're in that position. If you got both, you're in a tough position because basically what we were just saying it, it, it's essentially a coin toss at this point. It is, and and I everything, and I understand where you're coming from. I mean, Josh Jacobs is your boy. And he's shown great flash, and he could be a top ten tight end. Or he's not my boy. We're acquaintances. Okay, <laughs> but I agree with James because we know of each other. the circumstance <laughs> of Las Vegas versus the circumstances for James Conner in Arizona, I just favor what's happening in Arizona yeah. based off of the uh, proof of concept, right? Like, yeah, it's just he's gonna. I think he just has more opportunity. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Ah, whatever, man. I'm butthurt now. Trey, you, <laughs> you lose. <laughs> whatever, yeah. man. Tyler, switch the subject, dude. All right, All right we'll go. Watch Josh Jacobs just finishes the one number one run. Right, he just overall. goes off. That would be wild. There's no fucking way. So, all right, let's go to let's go actually go to another team in the AFC West. Let's go. Let's go over the Chiefs here. So, obviously, we know that uh, you have Kelsey, who's going to be a stud, and you have Sky Moore as probably gonna be their number one wide receiver outside of those guys is there anybody within this passing offense that you believe could be fantasy relevant so um i've seen on twitter and whatnot uh reports that mccall hardman is getting hyped again um from the players from like patrick mahomes and stuff like don't that. don't fall for that shit i'm not falling for that I, that's why i wanted to bring it up though because i think some people might I'm curious where he's being, where his ADP is right now, but I'm not even going to look. For me, like, I think they brought in McCole Hardman. What? No, they re-signed McCole Hardman. No, I'm I'm saying when did they draft him, like three years ago? Yeah, something like that. So we've had three years. Obviously, Tyreek Hill was there for the entirety of it, but at some point, if if you're that dude, in three years, you have to stand out. And, and be somewhat of a consistent threat. No one gave a fuck if McCall Hardman's on the field or not. Like, no one's threatened by that. Yeah, he's got some speed. It, it hasn't it hasn't came to yet. Um, so, McCall Hardman, I I'm out on. I think Juju has <laughs> some potential. See, I agree with that. That's why I brought it up because I know, I know I kind of shat on uh, shat on <laughs> Juju. I shat on him. Um, last week, because I was like, "Don't tell me Juju's gonna be that guy," because I don't think he's gonna Whoa, be that dude, guy. This isn't fuck Mary Kill, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I agree. I think Juju's gonna carve out a good little role for himself in this offense. Yeah, I think you have a guy like Sky Moore who can kind of spread the field a little bit, and you have Travis Kelsey working the seams, and then you have 
Juju who can who's going to work underneath and find these little zones. He's uh, was great in Pittsburgh finding the open zone. One hundred percent, and I think he, Patrick Mahomes is going to find him. Yeah, I think I think Juju's undervalued. He's the only other guy on this team that's actually put up significant numbers. He's the only guy that's had over a thousand yards receiving in one of his. You He's know, also careers. going four years ago. Well, sure, but still, he did it. With a ben, Big Ben who was actually capable at that time. With Antonio Brown drawing all the attention. Travis Kelsey drawing all the attention. Sky Moore, if he's what he's being hyped up to be, he's going to draw, he's he's gonna draw some attention. So I think Juju's in a nice spot to kind of fill it, to just sneak in here and get into those zones and stuff like that, like Tyler's talking about, and really be kind of that um, that third look for Patrick Mahomes when he's – Make it a, a play on the run, escaping the pocket. Boom, there's Juju just sitting there off his fucking seven-yard hook. Maybe he makes a guy miss, makes some plays. You know, I, I think that's where Juju's going to live. And I think that can have some fantasy value on this offense when you're attached to Patrick He's Mahomes. also going at the end of the eighth round right now. Well, let me ask you guys this. Like, so who do you think is going to be like the top finishing fantasy receiver on the Chiefs? Sky Travis Moore. Kelsey. Well, okay. That's receiver, a tight end, but... Receiver. Uh, Travis Kelsey's a given at this point. It's Sky Moore. Right? I, I mean, it has to be Sky Moore. It, it's between Juju Smith-Schuster, be MVS. I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, honestly. I, it's, it's Okay, we've seen some rookies come into the, to the league and have some success. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for Sky Moore than people are assuming, just because he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. Is he a good player? I think so, but I think it's gonna be a little bit more of a learning curve than people are are projecting. I I think Juju's gonna be a lot closer to Sky more than than people think. MBS was gonna make some some splash plays, but I don't think he'll be a consistent um, guy. He just never has been. You know, if he was gonna do that, he would have he would have did that in Green Bay when we had no wide receiver too. You know, at some point you got to step up. You had Aaron Rodgers. Now you have Patrick Mahomes. I don't see a, a huge difference for me in MVS. I think Juju's the only guy that's like, okay, when he has a decent quarterback and some other weapons to take the, the heat off of him, he can produce. I think he's going to be much more closer to Sky Moore than, than people are, are projecting right now. The last time Juju really went off, we're talking about the killer bees. Yeah. Like one of the most high – Excuse me. One of those high-powered offenses in the NFL at the time, like they just had so much fire in all cylinders with the Steelers at that point. I really think he benefited from that. Here's my wild take for this offseason, and I'm probably going to stick with it: is the Chiefs probably don't even have a thousand-yard receiver this year. You mean now, yeah, actual wide receiver, a, a, an actual wide receiver. Travis Kelsey's easily fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred yards. I, I think that's just kind of a given at this point. Just between like what they have going on, MVS, we already saw what he's been doing on the Packers. James would know this very well. He is a, a decent, somewhat deep threat, but like his he's a hands little bit are taller. so he's, questionable. He's like a little bit taller version of Cole Hardman. Right, yeah, they're very similar players, exactly. And you, you put it perfectly, Michael Hardman, if we would have saw it, like we, we would have seen it by now. And he's had games where he's had you know 80% plus snap percentage, and a good amount of targets, like 12 targets. But even in those games where he's getting double-digit targets, he's not even scoring a goddamn touchdown and barely breaking 100 yards. So, I mean, I think we know what we have with Michael Hardman, Juju Smith. I think, I, honestly, I'm out on him. 
MVS, very inconsistent. He'll probably get you some games where he gets 20-plus points, but it's not going to be something you can count on. Like, And, and that brings me to my, my point where I'm kind of rounding out to right now is like Patrick Mahomes, I'm fading him this year. There's no way I'm drafting him in any draft because the ADP is going to be so goddamn high. Everyone's going to like rely on past performance, and you're going to be sorely fucking mistaken. Do you guys kind of see what I'm putting down right now? Yeah, for sure. I've never been one to draft Patrick Mahomes just because he gets drafted so high, especially in redraft leagues. Um, I, right now he's at 26. That's that's right around guys like Saquon, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> I mean, um, there's no way Mike Evans. Yeah. So yeah, people do it. People. I mean, right now, the, like Josh Allen's going top of the second round right now. That kind of. That's that's still too high in my opinion, but that makes sense. Yeah, there's an argument where Josh Allen's worth that, but Patrick Mahomes at that spot is it's not worth it right now. I don't think. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of how I feel. I'm a little bit higher on Juju than than others, and I understand that. I understand it's been rough uh, going in the last couple of years, but see, the thing is, like, he's 25. Like, he's not even yeah. And I mean, Trey said not since his rookie year, but that's a bold faced lie. His <laughs> like I, I, I didn't say that. I said not for four years. Yeah, four yeah, years. Yeah. Okay. Well, then how come how come two years ago he was wide receiver seventeen? Yeah, he, he only kind of he, mind, but because he had nine he, touchdowns. He only put up eight hundred thirty yards, but I mean that's still like if you can get that at where Juju's going right now, if you can get that production, like you're winning. Like that's. Uh, yeah, that's a steal for you. The, the league, that's the a landscape, solid flex has, option. the landscape has changed though. There's going to be so many guys finishing around 800 yards, eight-ish touchdowns that I, I really don't. It doesn't justify it for me. I guess we'll see. Now, Grant, looking at wide receiver ADPs right now, I'm kind of shocked to see this. But so Juju's going 40, right? Drake London's all the way down to the 39th receiver being drafted. That seems really low. He's being drafted behind like Gabriel Davis. Yeah. Well, he's a rookie. That's, I mean, it happens every single year. Yeah, I, mean, I know, you, and you don't like love like the quarterback situation there yet. But I don't know. That just seems really low to me. Um, so let me just throw this out here. You have wow, this is crazy, man. Okay, <laughs> um, so let's go from London down for a few spots. You have Drake London, Juju Smith-Schuster, Robert Woods, and Allen Robinson as receivers thirty-nine through forty-two being drafted right now. Who would be out of those guys? Who are you going for? Say those names again: Drake London, <laughs> Juju, Robert Woods, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, agree. Definitely. I'm surprised Allen Rob. That's that seems really low for Allen Robinson compared to the other guys. And I'm surprised Gabriel Davis is that high too. I understand he's you know kind of being elevated to the number two receiver in this offense, but he didn't show anything to last what four or five games of the season. Are you aware for sure that's going to carry over? The only way I could really justify that is um, uh, Cole Beasley, like, sneakily finished, you know, around top 25, top 30 the last two years that he was with Josh Allen. So uh, not not exactly similar players at all, but um, if someone like that can finish in the top 25, top 30, then it, it would be surprising if Gabriel Davis did. Honestly, I'm not high on Gabriel Davis like that, though, at all. So... Uh, Thanks for the cut out there, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it, it is definitely Allen Robinson. It has to be at this point. The only reason I can see Allen Robinson falling that far at this point in time is because their team is seen as kind of deep. I mean, we saw how Van Jefferson kind of crept into the picture, especially in PPR leagues last year, and was you know he was basically a, a flex starter at that point. Yeah, um, I don't know. Just that that blows my mind to see him that far far down for me. Um, but I don't know. Oh, what? No beers for me, huh? I thought, I thought you still had one over there. James is grabbing beers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're about an hour in right now, Jim. You're you're trying to cut it short. <laughs> we can go two hours sometimes, man. But yeah, no, yeah, we should definitely get to defenses. Yeah, let's, let's move on. We we had a uh, our our uh, our biggest fan, I believe. Probably this one. He he listened to all our episodes front front to finish or front to finish. Yeah, that's, that works. What? Yeah, uh, I believe he does. Who knows? I mean, it really seems like it. Come on, Jim, get it together. <laughs> Pardon the interruption. Yeah. Um. But uh, was it dump dunder dropping mitts? <laughs> sorry, Muppet uh, dropping mitts. Uh, you it, fucking piece of shit. Sorry, yeah, sorry, it's not right in front of me. Put some respect on his name. It's at Muppets Dropping Mids. Muppets Dropping Mids. Yeah, and, and he brought up a great, a great you know question. Actually, we're kicking him out. We're bringing him on the podcast. You're done. Yeah, you're done, dude. <laughs> Here comes the Muppets. Are you, are you also? I think he lives down in like Southern California. Yeah, we're flying him in. Flying in okay. every Tuesday. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Where we get the bankroll? Oh, dude, you don't even know. We got secret sponsors, dude. Secret. We don't even have to say their names. And secret. No, we don't even say the sponsors, man. That's how good we are. But. All right, what's the defensive uh, situation? Question. Yeah, basically, he brought up a great point. Like, talking about like defenses for next year. Obviously, it's very early to look at it for next year as far as defenses that you want to stream, but it's one of the overlooked positions in fantasy football, especially if you're playing in a standard league that does still use defenses, which I would say, I mean, at least three-quarter of leagues are probably still using defenses in their fantasy football league, right? Yeah. I'd say majority, for sure. Still are. Yeah, I know some leagues have gotten rid of it. Um Personally, I I still a lot of a lot of leagues like to replace it with like an extra flex, yeah, super flex. Which I mean, I'd rather like replace my kicker over my defense. But honestly, I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to this. I still like carrying a defense and a kicker. Um, I stream them though, so like I don't carry a backup defense or a backup kicker like some dumbasses. I stream them week in week out. So, and, and more or less, that's, <laughs> uh, that's the way you that's the way you should approach it. <laughs> as, yeah, as you're holding on to three defenses during your dynasty league. Like, <laughs> it's the off season, man. I got to see how shit plays out. And like you know, the schedule just got released like a couple weeks ago. You got to you know true. you got to analyze the schedule, see what's happening. Um, obviously, as the season starts, you should definitely be. Um, for me, that's like my number one priority when the wave wire comes around mid season or really during the season yeah. is like, you're looking for injuries. If a starting quarterback goes down, starting running back goes down, you you are interested in looking at the defense that they're playing in the upcoming weeks or that next week. But it, it, so we're talking about defenses, right? Is there a defense that sticks out to you guys that you are actually trying to target in the, in drafts this year? I'll say one, and this might sound Homer-ish, uh, but for me, when I'm looking at defenses, if I'm going to pick one up um, for an extended amount of time, let's say an entire season, half season, whatever. I like to pick up a defense that's capable, that has some some playmakers that can produce turnovers and play in a division that isn't very good. Or at least they play teams that aren't very good twice a year, right? Because you're getting uh, six games, you know, if if every other team in their division isn't that good or they don't have a very good offense, you're getting six games out of that defense where they could really produce. 
So someone like the Green Bay Packers, who have a good defense. At this point, they've been building it for years. As we know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get weapons drafted for them because they draft defensive players. They just re-signed, um, if not the best corner in the league, one of the you know top three, um, Jair Alexander. They have um, another really good uh, corner that they drafted last year. Um, Eric Stokes, they brought back Rizul Douglas also. And Rizul Douglas, they have good safeties. Um, they have excellent pass rushers. And for me, those are the two positions that you really want to key in on when you're talking about is a defense capable of, of making turnovers, right? Because you're thinking the edge rushers are going to get to the quarterback. They're going to cause fumbles. They're going to get sacks. The cornerbacks are going to also cause sacks, coverage sacks, because no one's open. And they're going to get picks. So when I'm looking at the Green Bay defense right now, I think they're projected to be top six, uh, top seven. And they play in a division with the Detroit Lions, which who are improving, but I still think are going to struggle with Jared Goff at the helm. Um, Chicago Bears, who are trying to improve, I think, but they're still going to stink this year. And then they play the Minnesota Vikings as well two times a year, which obviously is a better offense. But you're still getting four games out of the Bears and the Detroit Lions. It's you know it's interesting too, looking at because I kind of I kind of like the fancy pros way because they actually list like show the uh, the different type of platforms and where they're ranked at. And so I've never heard of fan tracks, but the, the sleeper or fancy pros has them on here too. So the Packers defense is going third on ESPN. But nineteenth on fan tracks, and the other ones aren't ra- aren't rated yet. But that just shows like defenses are so hard to judge. They are, yeah. And a, you can't. I don't think anybody should go into any draft thinking that like I'm going to draft a one defense, and that's going to be my defense for the entire season. That's very rarely is that going to happen. I agree. So like for instance, like this came up you know, a little bit before. The Dallas Cowboys were not expected to have a good defense last year. End up as the, as the number one fantasy defense, and now were they a great defense overall? I mean, they were much improved from the year before. But the reason they were the number one fantasy defense is because they make splash plays, it's sacks and, and turnovers. Yes, that's and that's what, what you they're want. great at. Yep, that's what it's you not want. so much about being a great overall NFL defense where you're limiting yards and points. It's making the splash plays. Yeah, the the the, the point totals aren't going to make a huge difference in terms of the actual scores of the game. They're it's not going to make a massive difference in your fantasy output for your defense. Where you're going to get massive games are in those turnover games. There's multiple inter- interceptions, multiple sacks, multiple fumbles. That's what's going to make your defense stand out. And so week to week, you should be looking at opportunities on the waiver wire. You should be looking at who's playing who, um, who's playing the Jets, uh, who's playing <laughs> – you Washington know, shitty offenses. I, I yeah, wouldn't right. really sleep on the Jets that no, much this year. This year, but, yeah, but last year and the yeah. year before that that was kind the of the ten theme. years like prior to that. Whoever's playing the Jets, you you everyone's trying to yeah. swoop them up and they're so, spending so fab on. For instance, like we yeah, we were just kind of this talking about long term defenses, but for people like I think most you know fantasy players, they, we like to stream defenses. Like it's a new defense every week. So obviously there are offenses that you are targeting to play against. Who are some of those offenses that you guys are are looking to target? Yeah, I think I think Washington's a good one to bring up. Um, Seattle, Seattle, 
is the first one that comes to my mind. So the quarterback situation it. there, it's so messed up. The first thing you should look at is the quarterback situation. When you're looking at these offenses, is it a quarterback that, one, isn't very good, and two, is going to cause turnovers? When you think about Carson Wentz and Drew Locke, those are guys that, let's face it, they aren't very good. And <laughs> they're going to throw the ball up, and they're going to hope for the best because that's what they do. They have, yeah. you know – slightly above average arm strength that's why they got to the nfl but they don't have all the other abilities where they can really fit the ball in and, and put it only where they're only where their own receiver can catch the ball they're gonna they're gonna put they're gonna dangle some balls out there for people to to go pick off they're gonna hold the hold on to the ball too long in the pocket and they're gonna get sacked and they're gonna fumble that's those are just the type of players they are and that's who they're gonna be so when you're looking at defenses or looking at offenses to target, you definitely want to look at the quarterback and say, okay, does this guy have a history of being a pretty bad decision maker? Guys like Carson Wentz, Drew Locke, those are, those are the type of quarterbacks you want to target. Well, another point, and those are perfect teams to really talk about with the point that I'm bringing up is um, you got to think about like the weather impact. Yeah, that's huge too. You know, football obviously played in the fall, early winter, um, Seattle, they play outdoors. If, if they don't have a quarterback that's really about it, if it's Drew Locke or Geno Smith, you know, once we get into the later months, it's, it's definitely a team you want to play defenses against. And I, I honestly, I'll be honest, I'm not sure. Do do the um, the Commanders? They play outside, or are they in the arena? Nope, they're they're outside. Yeah, so that's a that's a great point to bring up, and really just kind of drives it home. So, like, weather also plays a point, especially with those quarterbacks that are not that accurate and commanding with the ball. So, yeah, th- those are good ones. Let me bring up some interesting ones for you guys here. Um, I, I One team that I've been I sold on for the last two years that has really, really held me down so great. I know you were saying you're not, you're not really drafting defenses and playing them every week. One defense you really can draft and play every week is the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, they you got Bill there. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah, Bill. Who just all even when they have nobody on that, you've never heard of anybody on that side of the ball. They still produce just there's just a sound defense. If you want to yeah. be a hundred percent confident in your defense, knowing that they're at least going to come into the game with an exceptional game plan, and, and every single person on that defense is going to know exactly what they should be doing at they every know their job. Point, that is that is the defense you want, like. It it really doesn't matter who's playing for Bill. It it just matters that he's coaching. Because if yeah. he's coaching, that defense will be good. Like, there's no doubt about it. And it, it, honestly, it doesn't really matter who they're playing. There's not too many offenses that are Bill Belichick-proof out there. Like, you have to have some serious talent to beat Bill Belichick and on a consistent basis. So, I like that a lot. I think Patriots are a defense you could, you could pick up and – hold on to if you know especially if you're in a league where um i have seen leagues where they value defensive points a little bit more if you're in yeah. a league like that you should be targeting the patriots and ty do you, do you mind pulling up the defense adp on yours because it seems like yours is a lot faster than mine that's what it is right now oh okay so um what is what are the patriots adp right now are they looks like they're what eighth so yeah right now now again uh, this is through a consensus so they're going over they have ESPN, Yahoo, MFL, who I'm not sure what that is. That's 
that doesn't matter. Okay. Fan packs, <laughs> uh, FSC, and Sleeper. So right now, there's only a few leagues that are producing ADP for defenses at the moment. So, like, for whatever reason, on ESPN, New England is way down at 15, but Fantrax has them at number two. So that's going to lower their ADP to, you know, on average to eight. I would definitely say that they're probably a top five defense again. I'm not sure what's happening on ESPN that people don't think that that's, they're going to be good. That's the rookie app. We all know that. Well, <laughs> see, that, that kind of proves my point, though, because in the last few years in the drafts, I've always had my eye on the Patriots. And um, as we all know, you, you go through your draft. Once you get to the last three, la, the, the last the last three or four rounds, um, that's when your defense and kicker runs should typically start right. if you're in a competitive league. And once the defense runs start, you, you are generally in a good spot to not have a defense. And once the defense run starts, there's a good chance the Patriots are going to be available for you. And I don't know if you – I'm curious if you guys are on the same boat with me at this as this. I don't know why I have a lisp right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is, okay, um, Mike Tyson. Yeah, right? It's, it's final, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's final. But um, really, if your defense is getting you between, it sounds wild, but between zero and ten points, you're doing fine. If they get more than ten points, you're doing great. You're in a good position at that point. And the Patriots will never, ever get you negative points. And that's what can really fuck you in fantasy football is starting a defense that ends up playing uh, or really just having a bad game or ends up playing a high-powered offense and you misjudge it and you get negative points from a defense. That's the worst thing in fantasy football is actually getting negative points from your starting lineup. Yeah, I'd say you want 8 to 10 points out of your defense every week. You know, that's kind of what you're hoping for. Yeah, honestly, I'd say anything over 5 you're probably pretty happy with as for a defense. Yeah. Um, any lower than that, you're like, ah, that sucks, but you're going to live with it again. Yeah, you get negative points from your defense, that kills you. That's a terrible matchup. So. so, yeah, it's... Now, granted, sometimes I can backfire. You guys want to kind of regale my story from a few years back? Yeah, with, let's hear some more stories. Yeah, so, I remember this is a few years back with... <laughs> James with sounds so excited. James's brother, Juice. And we're going into a game. He's up one point coming out of Sunday, and he has his defense playing Monday night. I have the Whales playing. And so, everyone in our league text, text uh, Juice to tell him to bench... The defense, so he couldn't get negative points, right? And the reason they were doing that is because at this point, I think I was 8 though. I was undefeated. People were wanting me to lose. Hey, piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, it backfired on him because he didn't, so he didn't start his defense, but then the league did a stat correction, and he lost the point, and he was going to be tied. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, obviously, you don't want negative points, but that's just a funny little story that can backfire by doing some stupid shit like that. Uh let me bring up some defenses that might be getting a little slept on here. There's only a couple here. I'm not gonna. Go for it. I'm not gonna drag on too much here, but um, I think the Cincinnati Bengals defense is a very interesting defense to draft right now. Irby, um, you mind telling me what, what where the Bengals are at right now on ADP? Uh, it's a rough ADP at this point, obviously. Yeah, it is. Um, they're middle of the pack, 15. Middle of the pack. Okay, this is the team that's which gonna actually finish. means a non-starting defense for most fantasy leagues. Yeah, they're going to finish top ten no matter what. It's a team last year that was number one in rushing defense, and also has one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. So they're going to be gassing out the defenses, and I, I just once their defense comes onto the field, they're, they're going to be at an advantage if that makes sense because they're going to be playing um, mostly pass defense for that yeah. part, right? And that, that's my whole thing for this year is I'm really targeting teams that can get sacks, get interceptions, turnovers, 
things like that. In previous years, I used to like, really focus on teams that are going to allow um, the least amount of points. But as the league changes and it allows the offense to score more points and get more yards, you it, it's really not a viable option at this point. You you cannot rely on points allowed to be your points for the defense because with fantasy scoring in most in most leagues, um, if you have a team that holds someone between zero and ten points, you're going to get automatic points. That's just unrealistic these days in the NFL. You can't re- cannot rely on your defense forcing another team to have less than ten points and things like that. You want interceptions. You want sacks. You want defensive touchdowns. And I'm really high on the Bengals because I feel like they're going to be playing in the lead for the most part this year, and that allows their defense to play one-sided defense guarding against the pass because of positive game script for them. So I really like the Bengals, especially because they're so strong against the run because they're already strong against the run. And if they're going to be in the lead, which they should be with their high powered offense, they're going to be a good position to really just play against the pass. So I I, I really like the Bengals. That's like one team I'm really looking at on that note. I also really like teams that are really run heavy chewing out the clock which means their defense isn't on the field as much as uh, as often, which kind of contradicts what I was just saying with like points allowed. But teams like the 49ers or the Dolphins with their new head coach. Melt the clock a little bit. Yeah, yeah melt the Well, I mean, the just clock. because cause two statements are opposite doesn't mean they can't both be true. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you. All right. Getting on, getting on, getting on board here. <laughs> we got your yeah. back. Yeah. So I like the Dolphins also. The Dolphins defense, especially last year, they, they had some great weeks for me. And with their new coach, McDaniels, and with Chase Edmonds, and uh, who else is in their backfield right now? Their, their backfield seems pretty solid on top of like their passing offense with you know Waddle and Hill and Jasicki. But, I mean, who else is there? Is it Chase Edmonds? Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert. Yeah, those are the, those, those are the two guys they signed that were... Obviously, Miles Gaskin still there. Probably won't be for long, but... Duke Johnson, yeah, which I, I know you saying. you brought Duke Johnson last week too. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean like, the, their backfield has only gotten better. So this is a team that's going like, to chew the clock out. So it, I really like the Dolphins' defense. I I like what you're saying about. Okay, so what are the two most paid positions on an NFL defense? You're looking at your corners and your edge, and rushers. Your edge rushers. Yep. There's a reason for that. Because if you have good corners and you have good edge rushers, you can cause turnovers. You can disrupt an offense kind of like what i was talking about with the packers these are defenses you should be targeting that are are going later in drafts um the new orleans saints is another team that I, that comes to Ooh, mind i was gonna bring them really, up really really good dbs good edge rushers um and they're not at the top of the list for defenses these are guys these are teams that you can you can go after for their defenses and if things I work out right they'll be running the ball well yeah hopefully yeah i thought the ravens there too Ravens, because the Ravens they've been hampered by by defensive injuries the last couple of years, but people are sleeping on how good this Ravens defense has been historically. And John Harbaugh is the defensive guy, so he's going to coach him up, you know, really really well. If I'm being honest, we just laid out the top eight fantasy defenses of next year. Yeah. Like what we just said, yeah, honestly, you, you really can't stray. The too Bills much are going to go ahead of them. The the Buccaneers are the Cowboys. Um, the the Niners are probably going to be up there. The Rams, the, the Niners deserve a the shout Bengals out. The Bengals are deep. Like I like the Bengals for sure. You you definitely will be able to get them with your last pick, probably. Yeah. Um, 
Packers, Ravens, Saints, those are going to be a little bit earlier than the Bengals, but still you can fill out your roster and then and then secure a really nice defense. Um, late, late I mean, the schedule comes into play. Like The Dolphins are going to play the Jaguars twice a year, right? No. It's the AFC South. <laughs> <laughs> the AFC South. <laughs> oh, okay. my bad. No, I, they are not. I get those, I get those mixed up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Fuck, they're but, right next to each other. But the Colts do play the Jaguars twice a year. Yeah, Colts is another one. They got a good defense. Right. I mean, yeah. rushers, good DBs. You really have to look at schedules. Yeah. yeah. That's really the way it is. And honestly, once you get like, you know, three, four weeks into the season, start playing off of like just looking at schedules and looking at injuries. And if you start off with one of the teams that we're, like, we were talking about, you're, you're in a good spot with defenses. So, okay, we were talking we were talking a lot about the Patriots. I want to shift to the offensive side of the ball here because this is insane, right? And I know we brought up earlier in the offseason, Bill Belichick still has not hired an offensive coordinator. He doesn't have anybody uh, offensive-minded on his offensive staff. Like, he has Joe Judge, who was a special teams coach before he became a head coach. Um, I can't remember who that guy's name is. doesn't matter. This is also the guy that threw the ball two, three times in a game last year. Yeah. One time, I thought. Whatever it was. It was, yeah, ridiculous. But <laughs> what do you guys expect from this offense? Bill Belichick is calling plays, and he was she- he was seen coaching up the offense during OTAs. He is the offensive co- coach right now, even though he's a defensive guy. You know the last time Bill Belichick held an offensive position in the NFL? The Browns. Uh, no. He was just a head coach. There. He was a defense guy before that. He called the plays, though. No, he was a defensive coach. He had an, he had an OC. He did not call plays. And I thought he was head coach of the Browns. Yeah, he, he was, was head coach the there. Plays. No, not all head coaches call plays. <sighs> defense guy. Not in the nineties, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, they offense corner still called plays. Actually, back then, like you had less head coaches calling plays at all. They were only there to manage the team. So the last time Old Bill had an offensive position in the NFL was nineteen seventy seven as the wide receivers coach for the Lions. Wow. How the fuck is this guy going to call plays? I mean, it's that's interesting. That's a great question. I could really see him just really getting really basic with the offense. NFL basic. It's still going to be advanced for any, you know. Well, yeah, it's not like he's going to go back and run like the wing T or something. But, but I could see him getting really basic with Mac Jones and just like getting fundamentally better like Obviously, Mac Jones was decent last year. Yeah. Um, I could see them getting. I could see him wanting to be really. He's a defensive-minded guy. Like he knows how to beat defenses. He knows how to at least find weak points in defenses. Having that experience and that perspective, right? He knows what to look for. And I could see him just targeting that, you know, over and over again, week in to week out. Um, but again, it's. Like you said, we haven't seen it. So how's it going yeah, mean, to play out? And obviously, I would kind They're of run assume, the ball a lot. Yeah, there's that. I would assume it's going to be the same offense they've been running because, I mean, um, yeah, who's the OC that just left? Uh, Josh McDaniels. McDaniels. Put some respect Sorry. on the Raiders head coach. Sorry, I ju- his, it slipped in the moment, okay? It slipped I'm, in the moment. I'm pushing gain. You got me wild <laughs> up right now. So I assume that it's going to be the same offense they were running before because, I mean, McDaniels has been there, the OC there for like six or seven years. Been there for a long time. Yeah, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't ch- I don't know, they wouldn't install an offense with a rookie 
quarterback second and then, year and quarterback then change it the next year is what i was gonna say well shit some some teams do but usually that they fire the head coach pretty unorganized yeah programs well with that being said are you guys high on Devonte parker no no you're not interested in it at all not really mac jones the last half of the season showed some good promise yeah like, like <laughs> I, i'm talking promise like as far as securing the ball i don't think he's a fucking rip it up to, I don't think he'll ever be that type of quarterback that really supports a number one receiver heavily like I, I just don't see it yeah I think he's a game he's a really good game manager he's a he's really coachable he's gonna do whatever the fuck Bill wants him to do I just don't see him ever taking over games yeah and honestly I, I was about to say that he's probably a better version of Andy Dolan but then you brought up like having number one receiver production he's him and aj brown put up number one receiver numbers for five years straight yeah and so i don't know yeah i'm kind of with it i mean this the only part of this offense i'm really like hoping to have a part of would be like damian harris right you mean aj green yeah yeah sorry sorry aj AJ brown sorry wrong color (laughs) <laughs> Whoa! Well, AJ Brown, AJ hey, they're come both on. black, dude. Co- oh, come uh, on, Jesus! Gotta... Actually, one's brown, one's green. <laughs> one's green. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I agree with you. Uh, Damian Harris is for redraft purposes the only running back that I'm super interested in. Obviously, Ramondre is going to be involved. They also drafted another running back. They still have James White. They drafted two. It's the same circus there as far as running backs go, and I, I think Damian Harris is not in New England next year. Yeah, I mean he's he is in his his uh, contract year, so maybe that means that they'll they'll run him a little more. I but... would bet money that he does not get resigned. Oh no! And no. it's not just because he's a bad player. Don't get me wrong; I think he's a good player. I just don't think Bill sees any point in paying running back. Like Bill doesn't seem to see a point in paying almost anybody. True. Well, the NFL Especially doesn't a see a point in paying a running back. Oh, some. Yeah. But, I mean, there's some yeah, exceptions, true. but a few. Bill's never going to fucking pay a running Especially someone – Damian Harris is a I good think, player. But I he's think not he would like, if he had – if he had like a – if he had a Christian McCaffrey type yeah. back there, he probably yeah. would, but – He's not – Damian Harris is an undeniable. It's not like a generational talent. Undeniable. <laughs> it, it's it's disappointing to hear because he literally scored like a touchdown in almost every single one of his games. At least one touchdown, well, multiple games. We'll see with where multiple he lands. Touchdowns. I mean, he really could land in a really nice situation somewhere. Who knows? You know, and and get paid and and be a vocal point of an offense. But, can we pull up the ADP on Damian Harris real quick? Yeah. He like he will we, not get resigned. I, I would be shocked. If he resigned with the Patriots next no, year. No, I mean, he, he's shown enough talent that he'll get a much better deal elsewhere. I mean, Damian Harris probably helped some people win fantasy championships yeah, last year. I've targeted him every single uh, year. 63 overall, 25th running back. I mean, between him and Ramondre, come on, man. Like, yeah. I... Ah, uh, man. So, so what's that? Like, uh, like, the turn of the fifth round in a 12-team league? Uh, six, Yeah, early sixth. Yeah, so I, that's great value for a running back. Yeah, this late he's going I mean, just ahead of AJ Dillon right now. Hopefully the usage is the same, but and Ramondre is not that far back. Ramondre is about four rounds after that. Picks or rounds? Rounds. 
I mean, I'm all about Damian Harris. I, I see where you're coming from. It's his last year, but at, at the same time, that makes me kind of what Tyler was saying. It makes me like him even more. Maybe they just use the shit out of him. No, yeah, I'm not saying I, I don't like him this year. I'm just saying he won't be on this team next year. Is that's all I was saying. I mean, but, what top fifteen Damian Harris next year? What do you think? I think it's definitely it's possible. possible. It's for sure. possible, but it's all about how much Bill runs the ball. Now, granted, it kind of seems like they might run the ball more this year overall. So, that's, even though even if they had the same kind of split and carries it's still gonna be more carries for everybody so yeah i think they run the ball a lot and because that's you know what bill wants he wants to run the ball play good defense that's what he wants to do dude he's been doing it for a long fucking time the issue for me is we start getting four five running backs involved on a weekly basis you know we've seen it before with the patriots and we've avoided the backfield completely because of it Damian Harris has changed that a little bit just because he is a better talent than the, what they've had in the past. But still, I think um, it, there's going to be James White I mean, involved. There's going to be Stevenson involved. Whoever the rookie is that they drafted that I can't think of right now could possibly see time. Yeah, Is I mean, James White still there? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I know. He actually just resigned. He's actually 45. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that sounds about white. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you're completely right with, with the way Bill runs his offense. Like, in the last 20 years, there's been basically two running backs that he relied on as a workhorse back. One was Corey Dillon. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> say the it. Legend, yeah. The legend. Yeah, it was taken way back. And the other guy was was Legarrette Blunt. The only reason. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a he's a legend in his own right, knocking yeah. people out after oh, games. Dude, what a legend. Um, but even that was even the, like when the blunt situation happened, it's only because there was nobody else, right? Like at least Corey Dillon was actually like a stud, right? No, yeah, it takes you. It takes really unique situations for one running back to be the bell cow there. Yeah, can we end on my final question here? Yeah, let's wrap it up. One more. Oh, question. I have one more too, but here. Uh, All right, that's uh, if, you, if you have a good final question, because mine's like like oh, I just want to talk touch on a position we haven't touched yet. Okay, hold on. I'll do mine real quick. Okay. Okay. Would you draft Derek Carr as a quarterback one this year? Yes. Someone you're drafting, like your first quarterback off of the draft. Again, it, it depends how the draft falls. But if I punt quarterback and I'm in, where is he going right now? I, mean, I was just about to look that up. I mean, punting quarterback, like, if I we're talking about like past round seven. Derek Carr is one of his quarterback 16 right now. Oh, my God. The that's disrespect. Way too yeah, that's way too high. That's too high quarterback 16. Low, 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 yeah. Oh, Like, like too high in numbers. I was going to say, dude, get out of here. <laughs> no, absolutely. Oh, my God. I mean, I've said it a bunch. I expect the Raiders offense to be great this year. I really do. I expect Derek Carr to be a top 10 quarterback. They have to be. I tell you what. If they aren't, yeah, I'll tell you what. look on Derek Carr. Because yeah. you have nothing but talent. And you have a very creative play caller now, too. Very you guys are not Raiders fans. I've seen what he has done over the years oh, with I, less. I think he's a good quarterback. I really do. Yeah. I don't think he's it's undeniable at this point. exceptional or elite by any means, but I think he's a good quarterback. Dude, even without Devontae Adams this year, he probably finished top 12. Like Now he has his fucking best friend from college who is the one of the best, if not the best receivers in the league. It's undeniable in my point. Like or at least in my eyes, but I was curious. I think it'll be top thought. twelve for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 
I'd have no problem drafting Derek Carr as my number one quarterback. No problem at all. If I can get you, you, you. I mean, you're you're like okay. he's going in the eleventh round. It's like him or Kirk Cousins at that point, right? Like those are the type of quarterbacks. Actually, Kirk Cousins is going ahead of him right now. Oh yeah, that's sure uh, honestly a good question. Would you draft Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? Derek Carr. I'm not. I'm not even questioning it. See, as a Raiders fan, honestly, I am kind so of questioning it because the Kirk Vikings Cousins are has so good. Finished in the top twelve quietly multiple, multiple years in yeah. a row. The proof of concept is there. Like for me, I almost lean Kirk Cousins in that situation just because I know one hundred percent like I'm probably going to get a top twelve quarterback. Things could go really, really well for Derek Carr and and the Raiders, and he could finish you know really high. But again. Yes, he's getting his best friend from college, but it's it's going to take a little bit of time to figure their offense out. He's done more with less, dude. He has, sure, but I, I'm just saying there's a lot of new bodies in town. It's going to take a o- little bit of time. Over the last couple of years, yes, Kirk Cousins has been the better qu- fantasy quarterback, but I mean, I, I agree that like with this, I'm taking Derek Carr. I'm with you, Trey, here. You're taking the upside versus like, yeah. Uh, yeah. a higher floor. Yeah, essentially. Is what well, Kirk, that's what you're choosing. Uh, yeah, but okay. Think about this too. Kirk Cousins is also breaking in a new offense this year. Yeah, great true. point. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. True. Yeah. Adam Thielen did say Same players new offense. Yeah. I will say in Kirk Cousins' defense that Adam Thielen was on the Pat McAfee show today, and obviously offseason bullshit is bullshit. But he was really saying that his he's been on the Vikings his whole career. It's the first time he's like realizing that. Um, everyone is allowing to get to their full potential. Assistant coaches, people in the front office, people he's never met before that have been on the team for years. He's finally he's finally recognizing because they're allowing to the the new leadership is allowing them to get to another level. And he's like, Oh wow, these people are actually really good at their jobs. So considering the Vikings offense, I would yeah. I, I put him up I mean, a little bit higher, but I'm still all about Derek Carr, definitely. I mean the Sean McVay coaching tree is growing so fucking fast. Yeah, that's like a- everybody wants a piece of Sean McVay. Yeah, and they can't. And they can't make. They can't get McVay himself. So let's get everybody he's ever talked to. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. All right, you got one more question, Tyler. Yeah, I got one more to throw in here. So, uh, better be a good one. Hey, I'm gonna touch on tight ends. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for the show. <laughs> 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 all right. So, we haven't uh, talked about any tight ends yet so far, Jesus. right? You might as well have said kickers, in my opinion. <laughs> all, all right. right. So Those are my specialty, dog. Tight ends I, I and know, defenses. I know. So, obviously, we know at the top of the – at the very top of the tight end heap, we have your, you have Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle. You can throw Walder in there, maybe. He had a you – know, last year's a little iffy. We're not sure what's going on there. Throw but him in there. Throw him in there. Okay, fine. So, you have those guys like kind of your top-tier guys. Who do you see possibly joining that group this season? Uh, I'll start off right now. The move, baby. Pat Fryer move. That's exactly where I was at. I literally put him on. Like, that's my answer to this to the question, too. Yeah, Pat Fryer move is, like, my definite. Like, I think um, – oh, you forgot to include Mark Andrews, honestly. No, I said Andrews. Did I you? said Kelsey, Andrews, and Kittle. Oh, I mean, my bad. I think Andrews is in that, that top No, no, yeah, yeah. No, he, like, I, he I, I said Andrews. one guys, overall. Guys, I said Andrews. I said Kelsey, Andrews, and Kittle. Right. Yeah, you got, you got to <laughs> keep in mind, like, especially with this podcast, we've talked about it plenty of times. Top five tight ends, it, it, it's a plateau. Once you get past the top five, it top is a three, huge really. drop off. <laughs> no, no. Well, when everyone's healthy, though, once you get past top five, you know, with By all the way, those guys. By the way, George Kittle's already hurt. 
So he he run blocks. It's May thirty first. (laughs) I was gonna keep throwing out there for any injury update. I'm out on Kittle, bro. I think there are guys who could creep into this conversation. Obviously, my my big pick right now is Pat Firemuth. Um, yeah, I've liked I've liked Firemuth coming into last year. Yeah, I I think we're all high on Firemuth, especially Limp Noodle Roethlisberger last year. It was horrible as far as the way he was throwing the ball, but he still finished in at a decent tick. But th- there are guys we, we should definitely be considering. Um, George Hawkinson is someone who... who George? Fuck George? Fuck, DJ? <laughs> oh, See, bad. who's George? George? George. Oh, George Kittle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mixed up with George Kittle. <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> they just morphed into two people. Oh, hey, that'd be a hell of a tight end. That'd be quite the player. Well, they could, look very similar. Compete with Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. <laughs> they look very similar. I'm not. I'm not a name oh, guy. I'm a face guy. <laughs> but T.J. Hawkinson is someone who's very interesting to me. Um, honestly, besides that, Mike Mike Jasicki is someone that I love, but I just I I I can't really like uh, put put my stamp on that one. Dalton Schultz is a nice little sleeper, I think, for me right now in Dallas. I think I think we saw the best of Dalton last year. Really? Yeah. I don't think I think that's his I think that's his ceiling. Well no I don't think it's better. No Amari Cooper. You got C D Lamb there, you got and then you got the band of, of receivers that Well Michael Gallup's good. Like yeah. you're not putting enough credit on these people's names. I like but. I mean I like Michael Gallup, but I I think he gets a little overhyped sometimes by people, but He's a worthy number two. We'll, we'll see this year. I just think there's opportunity. I mean, we're looking for play. That's your question, right? Whose question? Yeah. That was your question. They come into the, to the tier one. And Grant, Dalton Schultz did end up as tight end three last year. He played all 17 games, so that helps. You know, as you said, ava- you know, availability is the biggest ability. Um, give me give me a quick scroll, though. How many double-digit games for Dalton Schultz there? Well, I mean, you're One, looking two, at three, who four, are we looking at? You know what I mean? Like five, six. Seven, we're trying eight, to find tight ends that are eight. deep on the list. That, that it's not that deep. So you said eight games, double digits, mm-hmm. starting tight end for sure. I mean, let's say okay. So uh, Dalton Schultz or T.J. Hawkinson? Who y'all taking? Dalton, because the better quarterback situation. Yeah, I think T.J. Hawkins. Yeah, I would. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think th- honestly, I think they're pretty similar players, and Schultz has a better quarterback. Can I say this? It's a little bit of a sidetrack, but if Gronk comes back, start him every week that he's healthy. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a start, but he's not a he's not a tier one type of tight end anymore. Not, not he is he is when he's healthy. He is. He is. Talk about something while I pull the stats up. I'm well, telling talk you. about something. <laughs> and it's it, it, it's not totally because of like athletic ability or what he still has left in the. T- it's literally because Tom Brady and him have a connection that is unmatched. You know well, what I mean? Outside of maybe like a Patrick Mahomes and Travis Gronk, Kelsey, Gronk's not going to come back and play for anybody unless Tom's there. Like he's not coming exactly. back to play for anybody. That's what I'm saying. If if he's if if Tom is there and he's playing, he's going to get force fed the ball while, while Gronk is healthy That's and all you want with Tom Brady I mean he still missed what four or five games finished as number six in standard leagues number seven in half PPR 
I mean, he's undeniable when he's healthy and starting with Tom Brady. I'm holding on to him in a dynasty league because of that. And he hasn't even announced the fact that he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, okay, starting tight end versus like the top tier guys are two different things, though. So is I, it? I, I mean, is it? Yeah. 100%. Well, you can't, I mean, it's not like there's only three startable tight ends in the league. Obviously, that's not, not even possible. But I think we're in consensus right now that it's like, it's basically five guys you give a fuck about, and then the, other than that, just, it's, you stream them. I'm just thinking, so like, I guess maybe I should rephrase this. So a guy who's a young guy, because obviously the problem with, with Gronk is like Gronk's got, if he does play, it's probably his last season, right? So a younger guy that's going to join the top, the, that top tier of guys, and then stay there, though. Like, Dalton Schultz, jo- Dalton Schultz joined it last year. I don't think he's there again this season. Maybe Pitts. Oh. With Marcus Mariota? No, if if Ritter is the truth. Yeah. I don't like the disrespect that you're putting out there. Uh, first of all, Marcus Mariota is probably going to start most of the games this year. <laughs> I didn't say he wasn't. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, long term. Right. But I'm talking about this year and beyond. So, like, I don't think Kyle Pitts can join that group this season now and stay there you know going for like i don't know i guess i'm looking for, for, for young guys that are going to join this group now and then st- stick there i think fryer muth is the guy marcus mariota comeback player of the year if i had to pick one it'd be and i'm be not Fryer-Muth. saying that for no reason if i had to pick one it'd be fryer muth um schultz maybe hawkinson but Firemuth's a lot. It's a, a crapshoot, man. That's what. That's why this position drives yeah. me crazy. It's yeah, the Muth of Luth, dude. I li- I really like Firemuth. I think he's a great player. Coming into last year, I I liked him a lot as a rookie. So, and it was just about opportunity. And once he got it, he saw what he could do. So. Am I far off by saying he's like the next Jason Witten? Yeah, it, he, he's honestly that very type. similar to me. Yeah, very much that type of player. So I mean that I mean that that's a Hall of Famer you just compare him to so like, that's that's pretty big praise. Well uh, yeah I mean got to do a lot to get to to that type of status but well, Jason as far as the, the outline and like the type of player the prototype he he fits the mold. What? All right hey wait, well, before you even end it no Marcus <laughs> Mariota comeback player of the year I'm putting Jesus. on wax right now. Oh, t- one too many IPAs there for old Jose. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying it for half a year, dude. <laughs> That'll do it. For <laughs> See, football oh, man. Sorry, man. man. You are on a very thin branch there. <laughs> a thin one? And you're ruining very credibility thin. here. I don't weigh that much, so it's all good. <laughs> we appreciate you all listening. Um, again, kind of a bullshit episode here where we're just throwing stuff together, but we hope you enjoyed. Um, and next week... We'll see what happens. We might do a little mock drafting, a little bit more of a back and forth. We should mock draft. That'd be kind of cool. And see what's see what's happening. So tune in for that. Uh, we again appreciate y'all listening. Hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. And any um, last words, there, gentlemen? Uh, shout out to at Muppets dropping mitts. You're the man on Twitter. Appreciate the feedback, man. Go listen to his hockey podcast, man. We're in the Lord Stanley almost finals here, right? Yeah, yeah. We're in the we're in the conference, conference finals. Conference finals right now. Their game one start like tonight or tomorrow. Yes, they started tonight. Yeah, there is. Hell yeah, dude! They're slicing the ice. Go so, listen to our yeah, boy. Yes, sir. Muppets dropping slapping mitts. the puck. 
Slapping the ice. Slapping the puck. This guy. <laughs> Dropping the mitts. Jesus Christ. You All guys right. are really shitting on my Marcus Mariota thing. I, yeah. I'm not even joking. Yeah, I know you are. That, that's the problem. So you're not joking. <laughs> Who else is going to be comeback player of the year? Uh, exactly. Allen Robinson? I don't know. Oh, that's a good go. one. That's there a good one. Go. That's yeah. a good one. And there's the answer. <laughs> All right. Catch you next week. Later.